It was a pickup truck full of young men in ski masks speeding along the road at four o'clock in the morning. They weren't breaking any major laws. I was one of them. We had just completed TPing our 10th house of the night, and it was quite the feat. We'd made three Walmart runs. They were starting to get suspicious, but they couldn't stop us. I crawled into bed at 4.30 in the morning with a big smile on my face as the most epic night of TPing in my life had just commenced. I rolled over, and I fell asleep happy. And then at 6.30, two hours later, my alarm went off, and I felt like I was dead. I got up, and I went to work a manual labor job for over eight hours on just two hours of rest. A couple nights ago, I couldn't fall asleep until 2.30 in the morning. I woke up at 6.30 the next day, and it hurt to move. Gone is the guy who could stay out and teepee 10 houses and go do manual labor for over eight hours on two hours of rest. I struggled to get down the stairs after just four hours of sleep. Aging changes things. As I stepped on the scale this morning, I, I started laughing because I remember 18 years ago when I was 22 years old, I, I was done with college and I was working at a, at a place and around the office one day, the talk was of how much weight everybody had gained over the holidays. And everybody went around and shared. It was an incredibly open environment. Everybody went around and shared. And then it got to me, and I had to tell everybody I lost three pounds, like without even trying. And people were not happy with that. Well, I no longer have that affliction, I can assure you of that. As I have, as I have turned 40, I, I no longer have that problem. Aging changes things. It changes a lot, of, a lot of things. It changes most things about our life. And today, as we get to the end of Ecclesiastes, as we've seen Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes about everything that he pursued in his life, everything that he chased after, everything that he achieved, how it all left him longing, how it all left him wanting more. Today we arrive at the, the bitterness that Solomon comes to recognize of the fact that this life is temporary and that things, most things, change in our lives. They change as we get older and some of you have experienced that. Some of you right now are sitting back like, this guy doesn't know anything yet. Just wait. And some of you are young, and you're like, that's not going to happen to me. I, I'll, I'll break the mold. Well, you won't, but I, I would just encourage you today, listen along, even if you haven't yet felt those effects of aging, even if last night you were out teepeeing 10 houses and you're running on two hours of sleep right now and you feel really good, still pay attention because at some point in your life, you're probably going to experience some of what we talk about today. And if you're prepared and if you're ready, it can, it can make it so that you know what to expect and you can be prepared for that and it won't be as bitter when it happens. And then we're going to see where the hope is. Because if our hope is just in what we accomplish and what we achieve, but then our health starts to 
starts to diminish and everything that we achieve isn't enough to ultimately leave us fulfilled, then what really is the point of life? Why should we wake up tomorrow? What hope and what reason do we have? And Solomon, at the end of his life, gets to see that answer. And the good news for us is he shares it with us. If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us this morning in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download in whatever app store you utilize. And once it's installed in your device, there's a feature within it called events. And there, either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201. Lakeside Community Church will pop up. You can follow along there. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we have been going through, and today we wrap up our look at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be looking at the final chapter of Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And if you're joining us today via the stream, thanks so much for joining us. The verses will be available on the screen below as we read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, starting verse 1, where we read these words. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Solomon says, hey, remember God. Remember God in the good times and when life is easy. Remember God in the good times when life is easy. Remember God when you're young. When maybe you think, I, I don't need to have a vibrant relationship with God. Maybe God isn't on the forefront of your mind. Maybe he's, he's not a, a really big, important part of your life. No, Solomon says, hey, when you're young, when you're young, factor in God. Factor in God when life is good. Factor in God. When life is easy, remember God then. And then he gets to this point that aging, aging isn't easy. Aging frequently isn't pleasant and it isn't an easy process. There's physical pain. There's emotional difficulty. Not looking like you once did or being able to do what you once could do. I got roped into helping coach my son's basketball team. I wanted no part of that. I was guilted into it and signed up for it by my wife. And as I was out on the basketball court, I, I, I've never really been able to consistently dunk. But I used to be able to hit the rim, no problem, when I would jump. I don't mean when I shoot. Some of you are like, oh, wow, congratulations, Brian. No, when I would jump, I could, I could hit the rim with my hand, and I could dunk sparingly. It, more often than not, I'd get rejected by the room. But sometimes, a couple of times in my life, I've been able to dunk a basketball. And no, I'm not talking about on lower lower rims. All right, on a 10-foot hoop, I was able to dunk a basketball. Now, I, I struggle now to get the rim. I struggle now to get the rim. I've, I've definitely lost a step. And, and, and that's only going to accelerate as I continue to age. And for some people, this can be incredibly difficult to look in the mirror and to discover new wrinkles to not be able to do what you once could do. There's, there's physical pain that goes along with it, but, but oftentimes the emotional toll that it takes is even greater. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. Solomon here is detailing what goes on in the aging process. 
And he's doing it in, in poetic language, but he's detailing what goes on in, in the aging process. And, and he does it poetically because it just sounds better that way than like the end of every drug commercial that you've ever seen at the advertisement. It's like, maybe I'll just die from what's actually afflicting me as, a, as opposed to all those side effects. But Solomon says, the eyesight, it worsens. Bodies, they, they begin to shake, they begin to tremble. Your posture changes. Your teeth fall out. Your friends die. You're shut in. You can't go everywhere that you used to go. You lose the ability to communicate because you aren't able to hear well. And, and most of these are more external changes. These are external changes that are noticeable to a lot of people. And, and we've got great technology available to us and great medical advancements that, that have come and tried to fill the gaps and come to try to, to make this process less bitter and to, to try to assist in all of this. But the reality is this happens to us all. This happens to us all. And he goes on. They are afraid also of what is high. And terrors are in the way. Almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. So not only are the, is the aging process external or things noticeable to everyone, but there's also in, internal aspects, more internal changes, more private changes that, that not everybody sees. Not all of these are, are that, but many of them are worry. Worry begins to set in. Everybody comes to the point where they have to recognize that they aren't immortal. Going through that process for some people, it's a midlife crisis. For some people, it's just a depressive period in their life. But, but walking through that, that process of fully recognizing, I, I too am going to die. I'm, I'm not immortal. I'm not going to be the exception. Worry sets in. Hair, it, it becomes gray or it falls out. Getting around. Just moving around is difficult. There's a decrease and a loss in sexual desire and the ability to perform. All these things go on in the aging process. And they're, they're not fun to talk about, but these things happen to people as they age. And if we're not prepared for them, then when they come, they can wreak havoc on our lives. These things are more private. Many of these are more internal changes. But they go on. I remember at the end of my grandfather's life, we were taking a we were we were going out for lunch. My grandfather and I, and we had two boys, my two boys in the, in the back seat, and, and we were talking and they were weren't really paying attention. And my grandfather was getting ready to have another procedure done and he was debating whether or not he wanted to have it done, and ultimately he decided that he would have it done more so for the benefit of, of my grandmother, who's, who's still alive and wasn't ready to lose him. But he was ready. 
He was ready to go home. His faith in Jesus was secure, and, and he, was, he was becoming miserable because of what he was able to do earlier on in his life and, and how his body had started to break down to the point there was so much frustration because he wasn't able to do things that he had previously taken for granted. He wasn't able to do things that he once could with, without even thinking, that everything really became a chore. Everything was laborious for him. And I remember as we were riding in the car, he said, somebody needs to tell your grandmother and your mother that we aren't made to live forever. I said, well, why don't you? And he didn't hear me. Uh, that, that's true. And it was just a stark reminder. It was just a stark reminder of what happens in the aging process. And Solomon's going through that. As he's looking back at his life of everything that he accomplished and everything that he did, the successful kingdom, the business ventures, the wealth, the sexual relationships that he had had. All that, all that people dream about accomplishing and achieving, that he had accomplished and achieved, he too got old. His body starts to break down. He recognizes, I'm going to die. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Solomon says we go through this process where our bodies break down, things become more difficult and then we And our faith in Jesus makes it so that we don't have to fear death. But if we're honest, the process of dying is not pleasant. When we look at illnesses, when we look at situations where people cannot do what they once could do, our faith makes it so that we don't have to fear death. And yet we look at the process of dying and it's not pleasant. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. And Solomon says, when we put all of our hope in what we accomplish and what we achieve, when we put all of our hope in our health, when we put all of our hope in things that we can see and we can dream about and we could accomplish, we can achieve, when we put all of our hope in the here and now, when we put all of our hope in this world, it reaches this point that it's all in vain because wealth will dwindle. Whether it's a bad investment, whether somebody comes and robs us, wealth will dwindle. Accomplishments will be forgotten. Legacies won't be remembered. 
relationships will be broken and torn and, and they're difficult. All of the things that people put their hope in, it's all in vain. You might be like, well, this is really exciting. Fantastic. <laughs> like this fires me up and energizes me to go live life. This is the greatest, this is the greatest TED talk we've ever heard. Seize the day, Brian. So why do we have hope? And what's the point? If everything we can accomplish ultimately leads us to a place where we're at the end, it doesn't fulfill us and it doesn't satisfy us anyway. Then what's the point? Now that's why I'm so glad that Ecclesiastes doesn't end after verse 8. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. And here Solomon begins to write his own obituary. He begins to write the story of his life. Of all those accomplishments. Of all that he achieved. He knows the end is near. He begins to write the story of his life. And I would just encourage you, if you ever have some time, just sit down and think through, what do you want the obituary of your life to say? When it's all summed up in just a couple paragraphs, and you might write a couple pages, but nobody wants to read a couple pages. I mean, it's really going to be a couple paragraphs. What's going to be in those paragraphs? And when we live our lives thinking about those paragraphs, it changes the choices and the decisions that we make. What's our life going to be remembered by? Because people are going to forget what you do. And people are going to forget what you say. But people aren't going to forget how you made them feel. And here's Solomon as he begins to write his own obituary. He says, look, besides being wise, again, Solomon asked God for wisdom. And God supernaturally gave Solomon wisdom. So much so that he was the wisest person who ever lived. And Solomon says, yeah, I was wise. Include that in the obituary. Not only was I the wisest person who ever lived, but beside that, the preacher also taught people knowledge. I shared knowledge with other people. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. He says, my life was well-rounded. My life was well-rounded. I was wise, I taught people things, weighing and studying, I brought in all these different facets of things into our society, I arranged and I wrote proverbs, these are all things that I did, and he goes on, the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. 
I brought joy to people. I brought joy to people. And I was willing to tell people the truth. I wanted people to feel good. I wanted them to experience laughter. And I wanted them to know the truth as well. This is my life. It was spent in these pursuits. The words of the wise are like goads. And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. And now Solomon, as he's writing the obituary of his life, as he's writing the end, he wants to impart this idea to people. That you have a choice in life. And your choice is this. You can listen to wisdom or you can ignore it. And when you ignore it, you're going to find out the hard way that you should have listened to wisdom. The words of the wise are like goads. Goads are used by farmers to control cattle. And if the cattle decide, hey, I don't want to listen to the farmer, And they have nails fixed on the edge of the path. If you're going to step on that nail, that's going to be painful. You ever step on a nail? Well, I haven't. So sorry for you if you have. But I've stepped on a Lego. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'll put that up against a nail any day. That's the maddest I've ever been at my kids. And they didn't even do it on purpose. Those things are torture devices. Solomon says, you can listen, and you can follow, or you can venture off course. But if you venture off course, there's going to be pain. You can learn the easy way, or you can learn the hard way. That choice is up to you. And nobody can make that choice for you. Your parents can't make that choice for you. Your grandparents can't make that choice for you. Your spouse can't make that choice for you. Your kids can't make Nobody can make that choice for you. It's up to you. You have to make that decision. What's it going to be? He says, but recognize this, that all wisdom, all wisdom ultimately, it's sourced by God. All wisdom is ultimately sourced by God. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. He says you can read things all day long. You can listen to experts all you want. There's going to be no shortage of books. There's going to be no shortage of experts. And some of you right now are like, see, I knew I never had to read. And that's not what he's saying at all. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is you can spend your whole life chasing these things, but what matters is putting them into practice. There's no shortage of wisdom out there, but recognizing that God is the ultimate source of wisdom, and he's revealed his heart to us right here. This is why we encourage you all the time to engage with the heart of God through Scripture. Make it a regular part of your life and just see the difference that it makes. I don't have to do a, a sales pitch for this. Try it and you'll see. I guarantee it'll make a difference in your life. 
There are countless things you can pursue. And then Solomon wraps up the obituary of his life with this. At the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. All the accomplishments, all the success, all the things that Solomon achieved that so many people dream about, and yet it left him empty. It left him wanting more. It left him at a place where he was unsatisfied, and yet those are the very same things that each and every one of us chase after. Fame, fortune, having our fantasies fulfilled. It did it all. As he looks back on his life, as he sums it up, he says, this is what matters. This is what's important. This is what's worth chasing after. After all the successes and all the accomplishments, all the things that Solomon got right and all the things that Solomon got wrong, there's a lot of both in his life. It says the meaning of life and the path to satisfaction is found in keeping God at the forefront of our lives. The meaning of life and the path to satisfaction is found in keeping God at the forefront of our existence. This is the way that we can experience peace. And this is hopeful. This is hopeful for, for, especially if you're young, for you to listen to and for you to recognize that all those things that so many people before you and around you now are chasing after, that ultimately they aren't what's going to fulfill you. And you can make the decision now that you don't have to chase after those things. And you can save yourself the pain that Solomon experienced in his life and the pain that so many people around you experience in their lives if you would just now, while you're young, make the decision to be wise. If you would just follow that path without trying to venture outside of it and, out, and trying to be the one that's going to break the mold, if you would just walk the path that's set there without having to step on the nail, you could experience the most joyful, fulfilling life you could ever imagine. And this is hopeful for those of you who didn't listen to that when you were young. Those of you who've stepped on a lot of nails. The reason it's hopeful is because here's Solomon with a life of regret and a lot of great things accomplished, but a lot of things that he could and should have done differently. And he arrives at the right conclusion. Which is a reminder to us all that it's never too late. 
God isn't done with you. That there's hope. And there's hope because nearly a thousand years after Solomon would die, the birth of Jesus would take place. An event we celebrate next week. But the fact that God would see us and all the things that we would pursue and all of the things that we would think, that will bring me fulfillment. That will bring me satisfaction. And yet leaves us empty. The fact that God loved us, in spite of our mistakes and in spite of our rebellion, so much so that he would humble himself and come to this broken and flawed world to redeem us and offer us forgiveness for our rebellion. That Jesus, who is full divinity and full humanity, all in one, would be born, would live a perfect life, and would ultimately be the sacrifice for us. Because the cost of Solomon's mistakes and the cost of our mistakes, the cost of Solomon's sin, and the cost of our sin is death. And Jesus came to pay that price. To be that sacrifice. That God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him, we might become righteous in God's sight. We might become perfect in God's sight. God would look at us and not see all of our mistakes. God would look at us and not see all those times that we just stepped outside and stepped on the nail because we wanted to do it our way instead of his way. And I don't know what you're chasing after. I don't know what you've convinced yourself. If only I can accomplish this, whether it's something in the business world, whether it's someone to love, whether it's a, a number that you have on a balance sheet, I don't know what you've convinced yourself. If I could only do this, I will be happy and I will be fulfilled. But I do know this. No matter what or who that is, It's not going to work. Because we were all created to have a relationship with our Creator. And as Solomon writes the obituary of his life, as he looks at the end, he recognizes that this is our only hope. We recognize that Jesus is our only hope. And maybe that's a hope you don't have. Maybe that's a hope you've never experienced before. So in a minute, I'm going to pray. 
And if you've never experienced that hope in your life, if you've never experienced that before, then what I'm going to invite you to do is just in the quietness of your heart, offer this prayer up to God. Discover the hope that comes from a relationship with the God who created you and offers you forgiveness and hope. God, I pray right now for those watching, for those who are here, who have, stri- who have strived after so many things, and who continue to strive after so many things, and yet, God, are at this place where there's a lack of fulfillment. I pray they would experience the hope and joy and fulfillment that can only come through a relationship with you. So in the quietness of their hearts right now, God, I just pray they would repeat this prayer back to you as a starting point, God, for following you. And say, God, I recognize that I've made mistakes. Recognize I've sinned. I'm falling short of your standard. That I know you love me anyway. So much so that you sent your son to die for my sin. I pray that you would forgive me, God. I pray that I could experience hope. The hope of your son, Jesus, who three days later rose again. Proving he was victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Help me live. Help me age without fear. Help me find the fulfillment that I've been seeking. That is only found in you. God, come into my life and change me. I want to follow you. God, for those of us who've made that decision previously, I pray that each and every day we would live with this idea to think of what we want to be remembered for. That it would change the way we live. It would change what we do. And we would see things that really matter. God, may we live and make a difference for you. And as we now remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, I pray that we would look at our hearts and look at our lives. And if there's anything there that doesn't bring you honor, that we would confess that to you now. Ask you to forgive us. Make us new. Thank you for your love and your sacrifice and the hope that we can experience in this life because of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we do pray. Amen.